What a great day. What a masterful, masterful presence of the Lord today. Thank you for that word of obedience, just obeying the prophetic word, the utterance that we received a few moments ago. I am grateful that our church flows and allows the freedom of the Holy Spirit to interrupt moments where he has a direct word for us and to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I want you to stand back to your feet in just a moment, if you would. I want you to go in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Genesis chapter 8 this morning. Genesis chapter 3, I mean, excuse me, Genesis chapter 8 and Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I celebrate what God's doing in the house. Week 244 of the North Georgia Revival tonight. Can somebody give God glory? Come on. I know it's going to be absolutely amazing uh, this morning what, uh, what he's going to speak to us and then what's going to happen tonight as well. So I, I, I cherish Pastor Don Allen and the word that he's going to bring tonight. So make sure that you are in that, a part of that, here in the house. Touch somebody say, in the house. Say it again, say, in the house. If you are... Um, here today from out of state, would you lift your hand? If you're here from out of state, anybody here tonight to this morning, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. The Lord's going to meet you in the waters tonight. I, I, I was in Oklahoma, excuse me, I was in Arizona on Monday and Tuesday and made the presentation of what God's doing at the North Georgia Revival. How many people have been baptized now? Close to 30,000 people, another 30,000 outside. Uh, untold miracles. Everybody say untold miracles. And I'm sitting there and I give the altar call at the end of the service for people to be born again and people just come from everywhere. And they come and, and they uh, get born again and one guy's kneeling next to me and he's crying and, and so I was drawn to him and, and I said, tell me your story. He said, well, they diagnosed me with stage four cancer. He said, it has spread to my liver. I just came back from the doctor, and they said, you've got one month, maybe two months to live. And he right there in front of me, 60 days from stepping out into eternity, came to a meeting, heard the presentation of Jesus, and repented of his sins, to become born again. Come on now. Mm -hmm. Whether he is healed, we don't know. There's already been some dramatic changes in his physical body that we're hearing in the last two days, three days of things that he could not do, uh, that he's now able to do. Energy that he had that was gone is now returned plus some. So we, we don't know what the, um, the diagnosis or what the doctors are saying at this point because he has not been back to the doctor. He goes this week. But the point is, the point I'm making is if he doesn't get healed for some reason, 60 days, 60 days at most, he came in under the wire. He's a young man. But got born again. 
See, what God's doing at the North Georgia Revival is not just here. It's literally all over the world. I want you to understand this, and I say this constantly, and I know that I may be like Charlie Brown's teacher to you. Yeah, okay. You understand what I, I know I am to many of you because some of you are like, okay, I've heard this. But don't take for granted what the Lord is doing. Yeah. Okay. All right, put your Bibles down for just a moment because I'm going to say that again because you couldn't clap. <laughs> okay. I, I, familiarity breeds contempt. Does it not? Yes. You see, prior to your marriage and your dating, you're in love with one another, romantically in love with one another. So romantically in love with one another that you would get on the phone as you drop someone off at home after the date and you'd call one another. And you'd be perfectly content not saying anything to each other, just being, listening to each other breathe on the other end. And you would really have to ask the question, are you still there? You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just enjoying hearing you breathe. Is that not the truth? I mean, you're just so enamored and overwhelmed with the, the freshness of a relationship that she is every completes all of the weaknesses, and I have so much fun, and we laugh together, and she can do no wrong, ever. And so then you get married, and that, what? What? See, y'all don't tempt me. Do not tempt me. But you get married, okay, and, and, you know, and everything's really great, and you continue to open the door for her when you get into the car, and you buy the meals, and then um, you go to bed at the same time, you know, you're synchronized and all those things, and you get up, can I make you coffee, can I, do you need anything, sweetie, and then, then and then, the love that you have for one another never, never shifts, but the familiarity does. And you move really from the transition from being in love to a commonplace of just love. And, and you probably love her more or him more, but the way you demonstrate that is different because of familiarity. So now that you're five years into it, instead of walking beside her, you walk in front of her. Instead of preceding her to the automobile, opening up the door, you get in, and then you wonder where she at. <laughs> right? You go to the restaurant. Are you buying tonight? I forgot my wallet. Right, 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 right. Now, you understand what I'm saying. I'm not, this is not a marriage conference, by the way. So the point is, 
If I asked you, and if you asked me, do I love my wife, you'd go, yeah, I love her. But there's a way that you demonstrate that now than the way you did earlier. Because when you're in love with something or someone, it just looks different than just being someone that loves. So all of that to say, don't lose the all. Don't lose the all. And take for granted that the love of your soul will always sleep beside you in the bed next to you. One of the reasons failures of marriages is this familiarity. Well, he just doesn't love me like he used to. We have grown And you ask him, do you love? Oh, I love her more now than I have ever. Well, what happened? You see what I'm saying? Don't grow familiar with where we are as a church. Because we're one Sunday, two weeks, three weeks a month from this happening. Not because of the Lord, but because of this right here. We have other interests. Oh, I love him. But I'm not walking beside him. I'm walking in front of him. It's important. Important. Our eyes have seen some things and our ears have heard that the prophets of old have longed to look into. There have been men and women that have given their whole life and never seen what we have seen. So every time that we come into this building, it ought not to be, okay, church. But no, what is the king going to do today? Yeah, all right. So lift your hands. Father, we bless the house today. We bless, Lord, we come against the spirit of familiarity. Where our hearts grow cold, indifferent, they take the posture just assuming that things will always be like they are today. But Lord, we're working harder now to sustain what you're doing and to increase the capacity for more than we ever have. Did you hear what I just said? We are working harder today to sustain what he is doing and yet creating the atmosphere for a greater capacity to do more. So, Lord Jesus, help us learn from your word today what we need to in this great, significant hour. And everybody in the house said amen. 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 You may be seated. I want you to, I want you to look with me at a couple of scriptures this morning, Genesis chapter 8, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I feel that the Lord has spoken to me and what I need to share today, but I also know where I'm supposed to be in the next three to four weeks when I'm ministering on Sunday mornings here, where I'm supposed to take us. Um, so please just um, be, be aware of that. I know that this morning is a very strong pastoral word of encouragement to our people. 
because of where we are headed in the days to come. Look at verse 1. To everything there is a season. Everybody say season. A time for every purpose under heaven. Don't you love the language? Season and purpose. Verse 1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Hmm and a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Verse 9, what profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. Verse 11, he has made everything beautiful. Not in time, but in its time. There's a difference between God makes beautiful, everything beautiful in time. There's a difference between that, God makes beautiful, everything beautiful in its time. So it's a very important question, what time is it? Genesis chapter 8, you'll find the scripture, Noah coming off of the ark, the Lord has restored his family, if you will, saved humanity. Verse 20 of Romans, excuse me, of Genesis chapter 8, then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So the Lord instructed Noah to do this after the flood, after the 40 days. And Noah presents these animals on the altar, verse 21, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Verse 22. While the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. I've come to speak a word to us this morning that I find that will be helpful. I want to talk about not only seed time and harvest, but I want to talk about cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. I want to talk about times, seasons. If you're like me, there are certain things about different seasons that I love. I love some seasons more than others. Anybody talk to me in this room? I mean, I, I'm a summer guy. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a summer person. Any summer people in the house? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Don't be ashamed. 
Are there any winter people in the house? Those are mostly women. Because y'all like the boots, the clothes, the things like that. Fashioned, more options, right? Landon, you got your hand up. More options for you as well in clothing. But you know, there are certain seasons that people love, but at the same time, in those same seasons, there's aspects of it that they hate. For example, how many of us love springtime? But we hate the pollen. You can't have everything. We whine when it's winter. We want summer. By July, we're longing for winter. <laughs> then winter comes, we're freezing to death. Gas bills going crazy, electric bills going wild. Come on, talk to me. Huh? Yeah? All right. Now, where am I going with this? The Bible says that while the earth remains, there are times to plant and times to harvest. There are times that it's going to be cold and there's going to be times that it's going to be extremely hot. There's going to be times when it's winter and there are going to be times when it's summer. There's going to be when it's daylight in your life and there's going to be some darkness in your life as well. I want you to know and I want you to write this down. You live and I live in a created order that has seasons both naturally and spiritually. You and I live in an order that Jesus the Father has set up that there are seasons naturally that we walk through, but also there are seasons spiritually that we walk through. But in the Christian realm, we love to go from harvest to harvest from increase to increase, advancement to advancement. Am I tell, telling the truth? And we never want to entertain the fact that sometimes, just as if in the natural, there are times to plant seed and times to harvest, but there's also seasons of coldness and seasons of heat. In your natural world, as you do life, there are times when it's winter in your life and times when it's summer in your life. I don't know about you, but the part of me that I am trying to bring and to harness and to discipline is understanding where God is when I'm expecting summer and it's winter. Or I need daytime and the light is off and it's night. Has anybody struggled with that? That I am long overdue for a harvest, but I'm still in the plowing and the planting season. And when we walk through these things as individuals, if we are in a church that is always positive, always Blessing to blessing, glory to glory, faith to faith, and I believe in that, but also no problem to no problem, a season of advancement to another season of advancement, 
from harvest to harvest, when you do walk through a difficult thing, you will begin to do a couple things. One, blame yourself. What's wrong with me? What decision did I make? Am I in faith or out of faith? If I had more faith, this wouldn't have happened to me. Am I perfect or am I imperfect? If I was perfect, then only good would come to me. Huh? I'm sick now. Is it a reason because I didn't have faith? Is there sin in my life? Is, have I opened the door? And I'm not saying no to those things. I'm just telling you that if you're, if you're not careful, everything that happens to you, a season of winter or a season that it's dark or a season where it's cold or a season where it's plow time, you'll think, what's wrong because I'm in dormancy? We'll ask God, what's wrong? Because we've been in a culture in the Western church of a sense of perfection and entitlement from the pulpits declaring how great and good God is all the time and no evil is ever going to come near you. No bad things are ever going to happen to you. Your children are always going to be perfect. Their poop's never going to stink. Come on now. And there's always going to be food on the table. And your kids are going to always make the right decision. And your marriage is never going to need any, uh, any care. Everything's perfect because you're underneath the right teaching that takes you from perfection to perfection, from harvest to harvest to harvest to harvest. A healthy church and a healthy teaching prepares you for the winters of your life. It prepares you for the darkness in your life. It prepares you for the plowing season, the dark times in your life. Your Bible makes it abundantly clear that a man is that is full of days will also be full of trouble. There's trouble in this life that you and I live. There may be someone that runs a stop sign. There may be someone that lost a bucket of nails on the road and you lose three tires. Okay, but in our society, in churches a lot, we are literally taught that we're going to be protected and have a season of just blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. But many times you are walking through seasons and don't undervalue the darkness, the winter, or the cold because they may be perfect opportunities for God to do some things in us that he cannot do in the season of where it's warm and light and harvest. Mm -hmm. Touch your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere this morning. Sometimes we say, I thought I'd never feel this way. Have you been on fire and seen a miracle on Sunday, but by Tuesday you're numb? You've watched the mighty hand of God move in such a powerful way, but then you get the report or you get the, 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 the phone call or the text from someone and someone that you loved and trusted has just gone bonkers in their mind and, and then all of a sudden you go from this euphoric state. Now you went from complete summer. Now you're in all-out winter. And if we're not careful, 
we will blame God for all of it. We'll blame him for our misfortune. We'll blame him for our lack of feelings. We will complain uh, repeatedly, um, but we cannot miss the big picture of his purpose. Have you ever had this happen? You're walking through, you're walking individually through one season, but your husband or your spouse is walking through another season. Then your children are walking in a complete, well, they, they, they have all four seasons in like one day. <laughs> so we won't worry about them. Your company's walking in a different season. And then you have your church walking in a different season. And what you're longing for is for all of it to be synchronized, all walking together. If it's going to be winter, let's all freeze to death together. If it's going to be summer, let's all go through this together. But life doesn't work that way. And I want you to understand, too, in this church, this church may be walking through one of its seasons while you're walking through an entirely different season. You have to be careful not to judge yourself nor judge the church based upon your perspective of the season of which you are walking in. If you're walking through a, a, a dark season and the church is walking through a very uh, bright season of harvest and you're in the earth dying, you can view the church as uncaring, non-sympathetic, not, not concerned about your deep, Hurt, pain, struggle, winter, coldness, dryness. You hear what I'm saying? Because whether you believe it or not, the church can't read your mind, what you're walking through, the season in your life that you're going through. Talk to me. And so you have to be very careful that you don't judge people who are in different seasons as if they are uncaring, unloving, not sympathetic. You may be in a season of just extreme growth, revelation, prophetic words, utterances. Listen, maturity coming to you, advancement. Your worship is pristine. Your worship is energetic. Your worship is on fire. Your personal prayer time, you're actually having angels come and you're feeling the presence of the Lord and, and, and then yet your church may be going through a winter. And then what usually ends up happening a lot of times is what's wrong with them? Maybe I've outgrown them. Maybe something's wrong with them. Certainly, if our elders were what they say they are, they would be having the same experience that I am having and see the same 112-foot angels in the corner of the building that, that I see when I walk in here. We have to understand that in this world that we live in, seasons are necessary. Seasons are paramount 
to growth, to maturity. Seasons come and seasons go. And all of us are in one season or another today. But I want you to know, when a season comes, our posture must be fixed and steadfast. And we must keep our nose centered on what we know, who we know, and where we're going. Talk to me in this house. Now look at this very quickly, just a few things, and then we're going to be done in just a moment. What do I need to do if I am in a season of winter and I'm coming out of a season of harvest or summer? Let me give you two things, and I'm going to give you some steps that I think are going to be so important for you. Now, write this down. How you enter a season is important. Talk to me. You must embrace the fact this is not a lack of faith. This is not a lack of, of trust. This is not a lack of understanding. This is not a lack of uh, uh, positive confessions. I'm not releasing upon you death because I know some of my, my colleagues were thinking, don't even speak it. Don't even speak it. And I'm thinking, dude, relax. Just because I feel like I have a cold doesn't mean every demonic devil in, the he in hell that, that is responsible for cold vi viruses is going to attach me. That's where we've gotten to in this confession thing. Don't say it. Are you thinking it? Well, yeah, because I can't say it. You won't let me say it. Clean your head. We've gotten absurd. You kids, these four, you're trying to parent them. Don't run out in the road. You'll get hit by a car. Don't say it! I mean, they'll come up. Don't say it! Say what? They're going to get hit by a car because if you say it, they're going to get hit by a car. Bro, you need to take a something and relax. Don't even say the word cancer. Don't even acknowledge it that it exists. So your body's deteriorating. You got something in your body. I can't say cancer because they're going to tell me if I say it, I'm going to get it. I have to believe that the God in me is greater than a word that comes out of my mouth. Now, if I'm negatively confessing things over and over and over, I feel sick. I'm always sick. I'm all, that's different than saying, don't run out in the road. You may get hit by a car. Well, you just opened up the door. <laughs> y'all know, y'all y'all hear this, don't you? You have opened up the door to the devil. Because I, um, I told my kid not to run out in the road. <laughs> Corey, don't make me laugh. <laughs> And I don't, I'm not picking on that, and I don't know why in the world y'all made me get on this tangent right here. But it's the truth, right? Okay? We have to learn that in the body, 
it is unhealthy to acknowledge. Listen, to not acknowledge, that's what, it's unhealthy to not acknowledge that life happens. That bodies wear out. That people get mentally fatigued. That we make bad choices. That sometimes the grace and the favor of God, which never leaves us, is not as paramount in, dirt, in, in, in particular seasons of our life, or we don't feel it like we did. There are times the Lord pulls back. He just pulls back. He says, I have taken you as far as you can go right now with this capacity. I need to pull back so that it will create a greater hunger for you and in you to pursue me greater and deeper. And so all of a sudden, I watch a lady's leg grow. You watch it. And within two weeks, we doubt everything. Where are you, God? I don't feel you. Have you left us? Why, aren't I, why, why can't I feel something during worship? Why do I feel so cold? Why am I struggling to pray? Why do I not want to pray? Why do, you hear what I'm saying? But two weeks ago, we see now before and after images of cancer being gone, and the only difference is who they met in the water. I'm just keeping it real. There are times I walk into the building, I feel nothing. There was a season a while back, about a year ago, I thought, oh, dear God, is the revival over? For about a month or so, I walk in, I felt nothing. I just felt nothing. I said, oh, God, what's wrong with me? What have I done? Have I sinned? Am I in faith or lack of faith? Is something... Lord, is there pride in my heart? What's going on? And I check those things. I just check, 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 check. Say, Lord, maybe it's over. Maybe the revival has come to a divine end. Have you ever walked through those seasons? You don't understand why in the world somebody's excited when you feel nothing. You're just cold as ice. You don't even want to read your Bible. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to pray. You don't want to be around people that do. You, you just like, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. You're in cold. You're in a winter. You're in the night. Maybe divinely planted there for a season to learn. To make your way through the dark. To walk by faith and not by sight. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Lord will sacrifice a season of plenty in your life to take you into a season of lack so that he can create something new in you for your next great harvest. We have to understand that the Lord, the Lord is the perfecter of our soul. And we must always remain diligent of the fact that I'm walking through winter and I'm going to walk through summer. This section may be all winter today. Any winter people in here today? I mean, you feel like it may be a winter in your life right now? Just raise your hand. Don't, okay, you got a couple winter. Any summers in the place of things happening in your life? It's great. This is the greatest season of your life right here. Okay, one. Um, <laughs> lay your hand on my head. Just lay, 
I need the heat of your summer. Isn't that what we do? I'm freezing, aren't I? Feel those hands. But this is what we do at our altar calls. I'm in a winter. Who's hot? Maybe they can get me through my winter quickly by laying hands on me. Is that not true? We run to the altar. I'm, I'm just going through a dark time. Who, who's on fire? I'm on, I, I got to have Pastor Jeremy pray for me. He's in a summer. And then, then and listen, and I may fall out because I'm so desperate for heat. I'm thinking while I'm down here, maybe somebody will throw a blanket on me or something. I don't know. One of those courtesy things. And maybe I'll get hot. And then you wake up, and next morning you're still in winter. You ever been in winter, trying to get out of winter? You can't get to summer fast enough, but it never gets here. It's got its season. It's got to run its course. Let it run its course. Anybody in this section on who's got winter? Okay, a little winter. You're in a winter. You're in a winter. Okay, summer. Any summer? Okay, great. Everybody else, y'all just kind of in spring and fall. Y'all just, y'all just change. Leaves are falling. Summer, winter, any over here? Summer, 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 okay. Winter? Okay. So out of the hundreds of people in those sections, only eight people raised their hand in any category, so my sampling is not good. <laughs> now watch this. How you enter a season is important. Here's what I want you to write these three things down. Whatever season you're in, live in a state of faith live in a state of trust, and live in a state of understanding. Live in a state of faith, live in a state of trust, live in a state of understanding that seasons are temporary. Number two, what you do in a season determines how long you stay in it. <laughs> children of Israel were in a 16-week season at the most. Promised land, Egypt. 16 weeks caring perhaps, maybe, a couple months journey through the wilderness, through the fire, problems. They whined and they complained and the Lord said, let's circle this mountain one more time. All right, y'all have not learned what I needed you to learn. I need you to, I need you to stay in a state of trust. I need you to, you to be in faith, and I needed you to understand my purpose from taking you from Egypt all the way over here to the Promised Land, going through the Red Sea, and in this barren desert where you can learn that I'm going to feed you, I am going to clothe you, I am literally going to bring the cloud by day and the fire by night. The, you know, all of these things are going to happen, but I just need you to trust me. How you enter a season is important, but what you do in the season determines how long you stay in it. Some of us have been in a perpetual winter. We need to ask tough questions. Why am I still here? What am I not doing that I should have long gone out of this position or this place? And be honest with the Lord. Say, Lord, would you reveal to me why I keep circling this mountain? Why am I still in this desert?
Write this down. What you do in a season determines what your promotion is when you come out. What you do in a season determines your promotion as you come out. Now, I can go through school as a third grader and go through the motions and not learn what I needed to have learned. And the the teacher and the principal does what? We need to hold you back. There were certain things that this, that this, these nine months of schooling and these lesson plans were trying to teach you. But because you didn't apply yourself, did not learn these things, we're going to have to hold you back. Everybody all right? Same way with the Lord. Write this down. It is what happens in the in-between state. The in-between that determines the quality, depth, and harvest of the next season. So here it is. Five or six things I'm done in just a moment. We're going to beat the Methodists out again for the second time. I'm feeling the Lord all over that. Because it's a season. Don't get used to this season. All right? Well, we ain't had church unless we've been there two hours. This is the season. All right. When you're in a season of winter, touch, touch your neighbor and say, you have to be faithful and fixed. Write it down. Number two, you're going to guard your mind. this is where people get squirrely. Their mind runs rampant. It's cold. Your mind begins to wonder. Second Corinthians says, bring every thought captive. Your neighbor is look at him, he's being blessed. Look at that new stuff he's got. And you, you faithfully tithe, and you're getting worse off. I hate him. <laughs> Never have liked him. Look at him. Who does he think he is? Talk to me. Look at, look at her. Always something new. Always. Why can't I have anything new? Lord, I give more than they do. She never comes to prayer, and I'm at prayer all the time. Why in the world do I not feel you? Okay? And so what happens is, if you if you do not guard that mind of ours... It is deceitfully wicked. And it always goes to the lowest common fleshly bottom of the pit. It always goes here. It's skeptical about everything. It's cynical about people. 
It questions everything, especially motives. Now, while you're blessed, everybody's happy. I'm happy. Oh, man, it, the same girl three weeks earlier, I just love her. She is so fashionable. Oh, dear Lord, I wish I could dress like her. He's, she's so kind. Then you get in the winter and she's still in harvest time. Look at her. Always, always flaunting that. I wish, I wish, look. Is this not the truth? And so then what happens is you get animosity and resentment built up, and now it affects how you go to church and where you go to church. I can't go there, a bunch of hypocrites. You got to guard your mind, okay? Now watch this one, number, number whatever it is. Yeah. Guard, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart, because out of it flow the issues of life. One of the things that I've had to do in, in I that I struggle with from time is, is the heart, just guarding the heart. Um, just guard the heart, protect it, protect it from everything, especially in winter. Great temptations come in winter. Huh? When, the, when it's dark, when it's cold, when you're dormant, Temptations come that have never been there. You deserve this. You need this. Nobody will miss you. Nobody cares. God understands. So you guard this heart. Because out of it flow all the issues. You guard your mind. You guard your heart. Lord, I don't feel what everybody else feels at that church. I don't sense what you sense or what they are sensing. But God, I know my life has been changed. I know the reason I came here is because of A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. Talk to me. And I know, Lord, that they are still seeing and still experiencing, but it doesn't move me like it used to move me. And now I can not flinch. But, oh, God, my heart, would you create in me a clean heart in the midst of the darkness? And, Lord, would you renew a right spirit within me? Lord, while I'm in the darkness, the Bible says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot yield its fruit. Darkness is for death. Lord, I am here, I am numb, I feel nothing, I'm excited about nothing. Uh huh. In the midst of this, will you take this opportunity to cut out of me everything that's not pleasing to you and show me because I'm coming out of this. Now, the mistake that we make is, I said it a moment ago, this is why people jump from church to church is because they're cold and they will find something on fire. And so they'll go to a church that just does it a little bit different or a little bit better or worships a little bit longer or the preaching's this, that, and the other or they don't demand as much. And I'll go there. 
and for a little while it stimulates you. But in the core of your being, you're still in winter. And when it doesn't fall, and when, watch this, when God doesn't allow to fall your heart, you'll go to another place. And then another place. And you'll live from fire to fire, summer to summer, from day to day. And God says, there will always be seed time and harvest, night and day, cold and heat, winter and summer. Stand your feet all across the room. I say this in closing. When you're in the winter, the cold, the dark, limit, hear me, limit the voices. Limit the voices. These are teaching moments, talking times to the Lord, learning. Because everybody, watch this, or there's always someone willing to try out their gift on you. I see you're discouraged. I see you're frustrated. The Lord declares over you, this is a new season. You need to venture out. And the Lord goes, you didn't say that. Why are you saying that to her? This is not a new season. I just put her in this season. And I certainly don't need her to venture out. I need her to stay in the cocoon of darkness. Until this, caterp until this caterpillar turns into nothing more than a gooey mess. And then miraculously comes through the cocoon, scratching every centimeter and pushing blood from her head down her wings to the tip of her wings so that when she emerges, she can fly like she's never flown before. But if you keep telling people, listen to me, your go-to thing is not, I see a new season for you. Stop the rhetoric, emptiness. Be bold enough to say, I see you a dark tunnel and I hear the Lord saying to you guard your heart settle down stay in the ground let the dirt cover you the whole world seems to have forgotten you but let the great physician do everything he needs to do in this moment of isolation stay right there he's not forgotten you He's not forsaken you. This is all a part of his divine plan. Can somebody in the Pentecostal charismatic arena stop being so hyper-positive and become real? And just say, hey, here's what I see. I see darkness. I see darkness. It doesn't mean rejection. Moses understood the value of darkness. He said in Exodus 21, 20, he says, I go to the mountain, the tall mountain, to where God is. 
in the thick darkness. Jesus said, when I speak to you in the dark, some of your greatest revelations will not be in a prayer line. The greatest revelation that you'll have of God and the goodness of God is when it's winter and it's dark and it's cold and nobody around you and you're dying. He says, what I speak to you in the dark. Grab his book, his letter to you. That's all you have. You're numb. You feel nothing. Feel nothing. The words mean nothing at this point publicly. But if you'll grab that book, get you a cup of coffee if you need to. And go to a closet and say, God, for the next 30 minutes, I'm just going to devour your book. Would you speak to me? I'm going to read Psalm, what she read today. I'm going to read that Psalm over and over and over again. And I'm not going to neglect the fact that your mercy endures forever. And you know exactly where I am. So, Father, I bless you. I thank you for your goodness today. I thank you for your mercy. Yeah. We're blessed. Say it. Say we're blessed. Now watch this. We're blessed in the summer. We're blessed in the winter. We're blessed in the cold. We're blessed in the heat. We're blessed at the daytime. We're blessed in the night. We're blessed. And Lord, I'll help those that don't feel what I feel. We'll keep plowing together. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Lord. All right. Okay. You are in a very short season of an hour and a half services, so you enjoy that. For For it is winter. Summer is coming. Daylight is longer. I love you guys. Listen, 5 o'clock tonight, don't miss it. Even if you don't even feel like coming, you come. You come tonight, 5 o'clock, prayer, 6 o'clock, revival. Pastor Don Allen, God bless you. See you tonight.